Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hi everybody, we are Matt and Kevin and welcome to Season 2 of the Believe in Overwatch League podcast on the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. Please like, rate, and subscribe to us on all your favorite podcast platforms. You can also find us on social media at Believe in OWL and Believe.com. This week we cover the games at the Fusion homestand, rescheduling for the missing games in China, and talks of an Overwatch cartoon. Hello, hello to all our lovely listeners. Welcome to the gameplay segment of episode two, season two of the Believe in Overwatch League podcast. Hope you had a great week and hope you had uh, a good time watching this week's matches. Um, I had very many feelings watching this. How did you enjoy the battle of brotherly love, Kevin? Uh, I, I watched some of the games. I liked what I was seeing from some teams. Uh, we we need some other players for some others. Um, but honestly, I do think that since these are the first games, we're near the very beginning of the, the season in general. Um, it, it's just a good way to see how these teams are going to be playing uh, coming into the rest of the, the season. Um, some teams are going to look a lot more veteran just because, you know, they keep the same squad. They know exactly what they're doing. Um, some of them are, you know, starting to get their footing. Uh, they have a bunch of new players or new coaching staff or stuff like that. So, um, it's all a trial period right now. I feel like regardless of what the results are, um, teams could definitely be taking something away from every game. Right. So basic overall details for, for this week. Um, Golden Boy was the host for the Philadelphia homestands. Um, unlike last week where we had matches in both um, New York and in Dallas, they were all in Philadelphia this week. Um, there were two matches per day. Um, day one was Mayhem vs. Outlaws and Justice vs. Fusion. Day two was Justice vs. Outlaws and Mayhem vs. Fusion. Um, a thing that I noticed that I wasn't prepared for was the the time of the match changed to match local time. So last week, um, the matches started at 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. Um, this week, they started at 1 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Next week, when it's going to be the Washington homestand, it's going to be at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. So um, that was a little annoying for me, having to wake up at 10 and then realizing, oh, wait, it's not for another three hours. 
again, this is me missing having them in LA. Like the consistency of when the matches start is is big. Yeah, and we're not gonna get that with the home stands. It's just because of the way how it's you know structured. We're mm-hmm. gonna have games that are played like overseas in a different time zone, and they don't. They obviously don't want to play games when it's like two in the morning there, and there's nobody in the crowd. So that's the reason why with this homestand uh, change to like the format, they have to do it on YouTube. This is another thing that I like totally learned about over the course of this week um, for my other show um, that I've been slowly working on uh, gathering news articles and stuff. But YouTube made a 100 and it's like a $160 million deal or something like that. It's, it's a big quantity of money uh deal with youtube gaming just because they knew that if they did it on twitch people would miss the time that it's live because of the home stance so that's the reason why it's on youtube like when the games are finished it's already clipped it's already online so if you wake up at a weird time or you're watching it at a weird time um people who aren't awake or aren't up to watch it at the time that it's aired can still watch the VODs immediately rather than having yeah. to wait for the lead to upload it as a highlight. Yeah. So, so let's between Twitch and YouTube, what are, what are our thoughts on what we prefer? I really prefer the YouTube format. We don't get our, our league tokens, which is really something they should have figured out before we even started the season. Cause now we're two weeks without tokens and no word as to how that's going to happen. But, just from a watching it perspective, like when it was live on Twitch, you can't go back and then re- you can't re- rewind it and then watch it from the beginning as it's going live. You you just start where you start and then wait till they upload it and go back later. Like last week I had the internet issues and I had to run around and find a place with internet, but I was able to go back and start it from the beginning. Um, So I really, really prefer this new YouTube format. Yeah, I do miss, you know, Twitch chat um and you know the emotes and league tokens and uh the all access pass is another thing that i'm like kind of missing but we do have the replay viewer um in the current overwatch client i don't know if that applies to the league yet um but if it does it's probably just a better place to go and watch it um but yeah i do like this youtube format just because it gives you the potential to like watch it immediately after it airs and also because it is you know different time zones we're not going to always be up in time to watch it for example i think the ones in korea are going to be airing at like 11 p.m and 1 a.m for us so oh uh i'm not going to be up to watch that unless well i might be i might already be awake and just watch on the side um but yeah it's not like everybody in the US is not going to be up watching that or up like prepared to watch that. Um so yeah, for for the East Coast it's even even worse. Like think about it, if it's 11 our time, it's like 2 in the morning for them. Mm-hmm. So it's like, oh yeah, games are at 2 in the morning and 4 in the morning. Are you going to stay up and watch that or goodbye or to your not? sleep schedule? Exactly. So it's better that it's on YouTube. Because if you catch it live, you catch it live. If you don't, it's the VOD is immediately there. So you're ready to go. And like when you catch it live, you can st- you can go back and then watch rewatch a, a, 
a fight that you might have missed or you wanted to dig into deeper as as it's going on. You don't have to wait until it's uploaded as a VOD or a highlight. One thing I did want to talk about is uh, if if you watch this stream, you'll know how many times they had to pause this ma- all these matches. Um, and it always seemed to be on on one side that the equipment wasn't working. Um, I remember we were talking when we were speculating on how this would run, but like, how how good is is the setup there? How like we we saw this week that not all setups are the same. We didn't really we had a a little bit more pausing. Um, we had a little bit of pausing last week. Uh in both the New York and the Dallas homestands, but not nearly as much as what happened in Philly. And then even like both of those weeks were so much more than happened in LA with the actual overwatch arena. So what do you think about the technical failures that happened in Philly? Do you think that this would, is just bound to continue happening or is it like, is it a fluke? Are, are some cities just better than others when it comes to their internet connectivity and capabilities and setup or, or whatnot? I do feel like this could be a recurring problem for the Overwatch League. Um, just because every single time that you go to a different homestand, you have to set up all of that stuff and make sure that it works. Um, yeah, I don't... I hope that it's not just like, oh, certain cities don't have the best Wi-Fi so we can't watch it. Um, I think that the best way about going about it is just saying, you know, trying to be consistent with the setup and knowing that it should work X, X and Y, um, should be down to a T. Um, I don't know if they're, what the homestand protocol is for like setting up the stage and getting, you know, the technicians and stuff like that. I don't know if it's the same people every single time. Right. So Maybe something that was working at the New York and Dallas homestands won't necessarily work for the Philly homestand or the Washington Justice homestand, right? Because they are different places and they might have different like internet capabilities per building. So once again, there's a lot of variables that go into making sure that this production's going to run 100%. Um, it, this is like actually one of the things that I majored in is just how broadcast television works so in order to broadcast to like youtube and stuff like that you have to kind of have a set flow like a certain amount of uh kilobits per second that you could upload so it goes live um and i would obviously it's different for each place like if you're in like if you're underground or something like that it's going to be different from if you're like literally plugged into the internet so um, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how each of the homestands are going to adapt to, you know, the bandwidth and having people, you know, watch it on YouTube. Um, or if there is like a protocol that like, it's the same like group of people who show up at everything and say like, Hey, we need this. This is what's going to work. And this is how we're going to get it to YouTube. Do you think that there's ever going to be maybe like, God forbid a, a situation where, the the there's a catastrophic failure of the technology and the the homestand just can't continue that day like what happens uh, then uh the teams play it in real life and they play like paintball <laughs> uh <laughs> that 
that's just how it's done. Um, no, Whoever I would do this on their team is probably going to just use him as a shield and then just snipe from behind him. Yeah. They just have to play it in real life. They'll enter like one of those, uh, like paintball arenas. And then each person has their character's abilities. Um, or they just have to like live action role play the whole thing. Oh God! <laughs> like it, with small yeah. Korean boys. Yeah, like everybody's doing the same thing, and then there's like a literal referee who's like, "Wait, wait, hold on! Your fire strike, you you threw that four seconds after you threw your last one. That's a penalty." Like, like <laughs> I would like to see that happen in real life. It's like, oh, and fire strike. Having to pause that, right? like they freeze in yeah. position. Like pause. We need tactical pause. Can we get markers real quick? <laughs> so, How do you yeah, nerf it, fall damage in real life? You don't. You you just actually take fall damage. Uh, <laughs> everybody has moon shoes, like knee pads and elbow pads. Uh, HP is determined by uh, whether or color not color of hit. Die. Yeah, it's just Hunger Games all over again. But like teams of six. Well, since since they're Asian, it would be Battle Royale. Yeah, there you it? go. Yeah. Oh man, I I really hope that it doesn't come to the the league having a catastrophic failure, because that would really throw off the entire schedule of people watching it and just the way that the league is going to run. Yeah, I just hope that they figure out what they need to do in order to make sure that every homestand is going to work according to plan um yeah if a catastrophic failure does happen i guess they just replay the matches um that's what we like matt and i wish that they still had blizzard arena as like even a backup um that'd probably be a good way of like making sure that oh if let's say if a team can't quite play there you have the option of going back and playing at at the blizzard arena or doing makeup matches there like it would have been way easier like let's just say the you know the shanghai dragons homestand was supposed to be this week too uh if they had like a backup place to go which now they do which is korea but if they had like a place where all the teams could just play they could have just played out the matches that they would have had today all right shall we shall we move into the actual like gameplay stuff yeah, let's talk about the actual matches. Mainly the way I was looking at this weekend um, was overall performance of the teams, not so much like individual plays per match. I don't know how you were were reading these these matches. It was relatively <laughs> the same way. Okay, like for me, like watching these four teams: the Mayhem, the Outlaws, the Fusion, and the Justice. Um, there were there were clearly teams that were better. Like I think that the Justice and the Fusion clearly demonstrated that they were they were the better teams. Um the Washington Justice and the Philly Fusion, um, a lot of the time when they were going up to against each other, it was it was seemed pretty seemed pretty head to head. Like it could have gone either way. It's just I think the Philly Fusion were they had the home crowd advantage. Um they were more sure of themselves. They were more aggressive in their attack and defense. I think that's what that what really saved them in a lot of their matches. And like with the, with the mayhem, they had they had an issue with well, not really an issue, but the way that they were playing. And I was listening to the casters when they were talking about this. Is they were playing with um, you're on week two, day one, right? 
No, uh, yeah, hold on. I'm looking at. I'm just. I'm bouncing back and forth. Um, okay. But they, they did this the entire weekend, where they had Chris on Brig the entire time. Um, and the reason why that they did this, according to the casters, is because, um, even though Brig was not working for anybody really over the weekend, it, it worked for the Florida Mayhem a little bit better than it worked for the Houston Outlaws. But in general, like Brig is not the strongest pick right now. Um, she has a little bit of spot healing. But that's that's really the best that you can get out of her with this current meta. But the reason why they were keeping Chris on is because, according to the Florida Mayhem, they need Chris there for communication purposes, mm-hmm. um, which is very strange for me because as a team they should be able to communicate as a whole. And like, sure, Chris can communicate, but Brig's not doing it for you right now. Like, you need someone who's be able to play more than just the Brig. Like, I I I don't know too much about chris's history but if chris is a brig one trick then i think this is further evidence how one tricking signing people to one trick and building your team around them can really hurt a team when it counts like this is just the beginning of the league but if this is how the florida mayhem are going to be playing throughout the series where they're basing it on chris's ability to talk to people rather than his ability to play multiple heroes and healers when you need it that's going to be a rough thing. I think it's interesting just the fact that they have to run communication through Chris in order to, you know, have a cohesive, like a semi-cohesive team. Right. Um, The thing that I want to say, though, is if Chris is able to, if he's the big shot caller, if he's like said, if he's like the moth of their team, right? Um, They just have to expand his hero pool. Mm -hmm. Um, it definitely does take time to expand your hero pool, but it is something that could lead them in the future. Um, once again, the, the whole big, uh, break pick is weird. Um, it depends on the team and how you play it, but, um, like I've had a few games recently where I was allowed to play brig just because like, I knew that my team wanted to fight together all the time. So Um, if that's the case, then yeah, go for it. But um, other than that, like Brig is very conditional. I think you can't run it on every map. It's not like a, it's not like a Mercy or like a Lucio um, pick where it's like safe all the time. Uh, Brig is very conditional. Mm-hmm. So honestly, if they're able to get Chris on another heal, like another healer, um, we know that uh, Florida likes to play the Baptiste already. So like if they get him on like a like a Lucio um or some other healer that would help out with the team and keep him in the game, um, the mayhem might be able to find a way how to get their communications all together. Mm-hmm. But like the question is like th- these games, even though this is the beginning of the series, like these games are counting. We don't have like the reset between like stages anymore. Like it's it's mid season and then finals right now so do they have the time to to devote to letting chris learn these heroes instead of just one tricking the brig to be able to afford to build their team composition and their strategies around him like at the very end of day two where they were facing the fusion funny astro said in his interview like we figured out that the philly fusion only have one strategy right now and once you figure that out there's no way they can beat you because they can't adapt because they're so t- 
tied to what Chris is doing. Exactly. It's one of those things where it, it, it's another way of how we say, like, you have the other team downloaded. You know exactly what they're going to be doing. You you have them essentially down to a T. Um, yeah, if you figure that out, like, you know how they're going to play every every single time. And since they have to play through Chris and the fact that they have to play the Brig, uh, it makes it that much easier for them to, to play. So, once again, it does come down to coaching staff and the way how the team works as a whole um if they're able to figure out a way how to get the entire team on the same page then communication through one player is not the most important thing it's just a matter of knowing the rollout and knowing what each person's responsibility is when you get to the game so yeah once again i feel like the brig is a very conditional pick um and yeah funny astro said it best like they they have them downloaded already the mayhem need to go back to the drawing board and figure out what they need to play. Speaking of coaching staff, let's talk about my team now. Let's talk about them outlaws. Um, they didn't have the best showing either day. They went, they pretty, they went zero all the way. Um, they had they had a little bit of a glimmer, one like every now and then for for a second that maybe they can complete this map, but in general. They were re- they were shut down very easily by whoever they played. They were shut down by the Mayhem, who previously had the second worst record in the league. Then going up against a better team like the Washington Justice, they didn't really have a prayer. Um, the first day, Harsha said that like this this was my bad. This was my coaching decision. I will take the the fall for this. The second day, Dream said that like two some of the players have been sick, which I know you were telling me that you knew that uh, Dante and Linkser have been sick right now. So that's why we didn't see them played. There was also the issue that all these players that they just acquired um, that were new, that the, the Outlaws coaching staff really wanted to, to get them playing. Um, and, and that's why they, that's another reason why they might have sidelined some of their more traditional, more, more seasoned veterans on the Outlaws team. Um, I think I think for me, the really big issues that I saw were the break pick and then Muma. Muma is a funny guy. I lo- I've loved his Winston play in the past, but him on Ryan was really not working for the Outlaws. Like every almost every push, Muma I was saw would go forward too fast and was playing more of the aggro tank than he really could afford to because he would extend too far, get focused down. And then his team would have to reset. He wasn't getting a whole lot of value out of his shatters, whereas opposed to whatever the other teams that he was going up against really only had to wait for him to fall before they could use a shatter and, and get the maximum value out of it. Um, and as for the break pick, that first day, Rockus, who's been known to play better on ranged heroes like Ana or Zen, was running Br- Brig pretty much the entire time until the very end. And it was it was a question from the casters as well as like why is he not switching? Like we know he can perform on other heroes. Whose decision was this? And, and just based on Harsh's tweet, it looks like he was the one. He it was his idea to go brig for for this, and they were just kind of trying as long as they could to to stick to that strategy because I'm guessing it's probably what they've practiced the entire time. 
um, until eventually at the very end of day one, Rockus swapped off of uh, the break onto the Ana, but it just wasn't, and he wasn't enough time. He started performing instantly better, but it, there was just no way they could come back from that that two zero deficit. And then, interestingly, the next day he was not on the starting roster. He came out for I think one match, and then was re- was swapped back out again. This pickup in terms of like Harsha saying like, yeah, this is our bad. Um, that it's the coaching staff's bad. Um, if anything, what you learned is Brie is not the save all. I don't think she's that great, honestly, where, where she is right now. You have she to play her utility. Yeah. She doesn't, she has the bash and the push, right? That's about like what, it. Yeah. What, um, what the Florida mayhem were doing, which against the outlaws, which was a lot more effective than whatever the outlaws were doing is they would pair Brig with McCree so that McCree has a little bit of shields and has the spot healing so McCree and Brig could go off and flank and do whatever they wanted to do and really not have to worry about getting focused down a whole lot. They could divide the attention of the outlaws and it worked. It didn't really work against the uh, the Philly Fusion, but it worked on the outlaws who aren't playing as a cohesive team. Yeah, and once again, I feel like that comes down to multiple... Like, you have star power, for sure, on the Houston Outlaws. They just have to get everybody together and figure out uh, the strategy that they want to run. And it's also kind of, like... It's also sad that we didn't get Dante or uh, Linkser in there. Um, Like, what if one of their plays was to just, like, let Linkser play Widow or something like that on a certain map? Um that probably would have helped out a lot. Yeah. Like, like if it was on Carpe, how effective a good widow pick can be in times of real trouble. Exactly. And they didn't really have that as an option, um, which is really unfortunate for, for the outlaws. But I hope that, you know, Dante and Linkser feel better. Eventually uh, we get to see them play a little bit more. Um, and yeah, I, I want to see them at full power and, um, it may take a little bit of time to for once again, Harsh just got to learn how to develop this team and figure out how they're going to play. And on top of that, they have to play at a really high standard. Once again, they're in the overwatch league. There's a reason why they're there. Um, yeah. It, it's going to be interesting to see, to see them kind of grow into what they mm-hmm. can be. Um, uh, hopefully it's not like a Shanghai dragons kind of situation where they go like, Oh, and like 50 or like, you know, the entire like stage. And then they have like an awakening halfway through. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just hope that this team could be cohesive enough to get a couple wins. And, uh, you know, it, I don't want to blame it, but if, if they had their gaming house a little earlier, maybe they would have been able to pop off. Yeah. At, at this part. I was going to ask you is what, how, how, big of an effect do you think that the whole drama with them not having a house having to move having to scramble last minute to find this office space where they could finally get some decent play in like how how badly do you think that affected them like you as a player imagine like imagine you in that situation like how badly would that affect your team's ability to perform uh, being on the college team for for my college, you know, uh, that's where college teams usually are. Uh, you sure you, you usually don't play in like elementary school? Yeah, elementary. Yeah, um, it is important to have 
team lands or like times where the entire team is all together because that builds chemistry and that like being there in the moment to do a VOD review or being able to look over like your tapes is really important. Um, and yeah, not having that office space may not have given them the time to like sit down, figure out how they're going to play, um, you know, be in person to watch the review um, compared to other teams like, like the San Francisco shock boot camped in Korea. Like they were all together. They were there watching their own uh, VOD reviews, getting ready, um, studying. So yeah, having something like this throw a wrench in your plans means that you're a little bit behind in terms of like planning and team synergy and all of that. So uh, honestly, I just hope that they can find some better footing going into the rest of it. Um, and yeah, we'll, we'll see how they perform over the course of the, the next few weeks, especially since we are getting started in the, in the league. And also like they, they as far as, I know they don't actually have a gaming house. So whereas they used to have a, a house where they could all live and play together and they wouldn't have to worry about a whole lot of other stuff. Now, like as far as I can tell, they're probably having being having to live in, in separate places and then commute to this office. So that's time, effort, and energy that they're not devoting to just playing the best they can. Yeah, it is something that is going to take a little bit of time to get used to. Um, I know the shock have done exactly that. Actually, they, they have one space where they all meet up and go, but then they all go home to a separate apartments. They're not in a like full on gaming house. Like they used to be. Um, it was kind of cool to see the gaming house, like feel, um, especially if you watch like other professionals stream, um, like pro overwatch league players streaming on twitch uh because when they do that like you can maybe have somebody trying some food out in the back corner or something like that like it's funny to watch uh the one that i go to all the time is super if you watch super playing um back in the gaming house he would always like queue up with like uh with rascal and rascal you could hear him in the corner just like yelling he's like um like screaming his head off about like where they need to be. And then you hear it. You don't hear it in the mic because he has his mic muted. Um, unless if it's an important call out, but you can like see all the players just kind of co-mingling, having fun with each other um, and seeing that whole thing go down. And it's, it was kind of a fun environment, but we're going to kind of miss right. that going into, you know, the overwatch league. But they do have a little bit more privacy that way, too. Um, they were saying that, yeah, living in a house with, like, ten dudes is kind of weird. Um, I've done it. Like, I, yeah. I, my my senior year apartment in college, it was ten of us stuffed into four rooms. Yeah. One guy had a room to himself. So, like, the other three rooms were just three guys each room. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's probably pretty cool for them if they wanted to just hang out that way. But, you know, if you could if you spent like two whole years together, like eating, breathing and living Overwatch, uh, I guess they do need a little bit of space. And with this new homestand kind of thing, it's, it's kind of good to just be able to crash and 
have a little bit of time away from the team since you're going to be on the plane with them. Uh, you know, the hotel, like all that is probably going to, you know, right. take its soul on you. So it, I think this is kind of the mentality going into it, but um, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see if this plays into the rest of it. Also for, for the outlaws, they're an, they're a new team to having Korean players on their roster, right? Yep. How wonder how jarring that must have been and like how hard it's been for them to get used to that kind of communication because up to this point, like the the only really person they had to worry about was Linkser, but he speaks really good English. He speaks English fine anyway. How weird is that transition for them for going to, from an all English team to now having to worry about the Korean? Yeah, it's something that the San Francisco Shock found, like figured out. I think honestly. It's just because they have Krusty. You can speak both languages and you could bring the team together like under one coach. Harsha needs to have somebody else to help him like translate and figure that out between the outlaws. Um, so that's probably another step that they needed to like jump or like they don't have that yet. Um, unless Harsha like learns Korean. Uh, but I think... Honestly, it does take a little bit of time for teams to kind of get into that position. Um, you have to have a team that thinks as one full unit rather than each individual like trying to pop off at the same time at different times or at the same time. Um, you have to just get your team to think as one. And that's really difficult with a mixed roster. Um, and I just hope that the outlaws can figure that out. Um, and a lot of the teams, a lot of the teams are doing this now because they realize, Oh, we might just need talent on the team. Um, and then they'll figure out how to play with each other. Once they get like certain strategies down. Uh huh. My last kind of uh, kind of thoughts that I had um, and and now you as a newly minted coach and someone who has played on on a team with a coach, um, so with Linkser not with Linkser, with Rockus on that brig and then the very last minute decision to finally switch onto a hero that he's played before uh, as the Ana. At what point do you as a player ignore what the coach has told you to run, ignore what you've been been playing, and just do what you as a player think is right. So because rock is held off for so long before switching. Yeah, we actually do this test. This is actually one of the uh, first things that we test as a coach um, with our teams. This is a hundred percent true. Um, we had tryouts last weekend or actually it was earlier this weekend. It was on the 15th, which was Saturday. Um, we will give the teams who are trying out the absolute worst composition possible for the map. And the reason for that is we want to see if they'll listen to their coach or if they'll make their own decision, right? Um, honestly, sometimes we're we're like, okay, you're on, let's say, uh, let's just say you're on Temple of Anubis, right? Um, we're like, okay, you have to run... Just run like Arissa, Zarya, uh, Junkrat, Farah, Mercy, Zenyatta, right? Like, we'll just make them play that. And they'll be like, 
if the teammates listen to it, they're like, okay, well, we got to listen to what the coach says for us to run. We'll do it. Um, but then there's some players who are like, that's absolute like, you know, garbage. Like, why would he ever, why would he ever run this? Um, but the flip, the moment, like if you're actually in a match, the moment that you realize that the hero is not working out is the moment you should switch. Like, regardless of what the plan was initially, um, if you feel like you're not doing or you can't perform on the hero that you're on at the moment, tell the rest of your team that you're going to switch over to something that you're more comfortable on. So I do this all the time um, when I'm on, if I have to play the DPS role, like let's just say I am playing like May or Reaper and I feel like I'm not getting a lot out of fighting the 1v1 against the May or trying to go up against the Doomfist. I'll be like, Okay, guys, I understand that we're a brawl comp. We have to play closer together, but I'm going to pick I'm going to pick Widow. I'm just going to do Widow because this map has long sight lines and I'm going to take advantage of that. And they're like, it might not fit with the composition, but if I get the picks that I want or that help the team, then that could lead to the win. So honestly, the point when you flip over is the point when you feel like there's nothing else to do. Like, if you can't win with what you have already there, you should switch. Um, that is honestly the magic of Overwatch, is having that flexibility to switch onto other heroes. Um, it's, you know, some of the reasons why we have some of the most epic plays, like, you know, the the merry-go-round from the, from the LA Gladiators, right? Like, that would not have been possible if we were locked into whatever heroes we had, right? So when you decide to flip over to a hero, you just have to make sure that the rest of the team is behind you and that you're going to be making the right call. Um, yeah. If, if a team has a certain set plan to do the same thing every single time, um, you might not have that flexibility, but sometimes as a, as a teammate, you just need to say like, Hey, this isn't working. We need to do something else. Um, and it's okay. It, as long as, the player themselves are comfortable with what is about to happen. You have to do it. So in your opinion, link, uh, why do I keep saying linkser? <laughs> yeah. uh, in your opinion, Rocker should have switched first map. Probably. I would say if the team did not. Okay. So uh, if we're going day one um, against, you know, the, the mayhem, right? Um, yeah. Busan, Busan is map one. They end up going to City Center and Temple. Um, Temple is actually one of the maps that you're okay to play Ana on just because you have the potential for sightlines. City Center is a little bit harder just because, or the, the downtown map for Busan, it's just a little bit harder just because you don't have those long sightlines all the time. So Brig made sense on that map, but for Temple, they could have played the Ana. Um, and then Havana. Havana is like built for snipers. Like it's yeah, literally of, like Havana in uh Havana in like did they ever go to no they didn't go to point two of Eichenwald. Yeah. Point two of Eichenwald has like the longest sight lines as well. This week was very built around the sniper comps. Yeah, so I know that uh Junkertown is in the rotation too. Um, that's for a payload map. I don't know if that's like a map five or when, where's the payload map? Okay. Payload map is map two, right? 
Um, yeah. Certain teams could pick up, like, if it was Junkertown and you were running Brig, you're doing something wrong, in my opinion. It's not GOATS. You have to take advantage of the long sight lines. If the map dictates the way how you play, you should be able to do certain things like that. Um, if I could quote Nomi, who was one of the uh, one of the first players for the San Francisco Shock uh, season one, I heard him later. He was coaching for I believe UC Irvine. Um, he he said this is his, this is his quote. Honestly, he says the map is like the map will make any character unfair like if you know the map you you win every matchup if you know how the map works and how your hero works right so you should be abusing every single crevice you should be looking at you know certain peak angles all the time you should know that for example, like if you knew where every widow spot was on a map, you check every widow spot if you're a widow maker to counter snipe. If you know those sight lines and you know your character, you know how to abuse it and win each map. So in terms of the Houston Outlaws, if you're playing Brig on a map that has long sight lines, you are gonna you're not taking advantage of the map to the best of its ability. Yeah, that's just some that's just the way how I think. Honestly, I, I'm not an Overwatch League coach, so I don't know if that's how they yet. think. Um yeah, I don't I don't know about the yet, man. <laughs> but <laughs> wishful thinking. Yeah, wishful thinking. Honestly, if I can get on like a tier three team or like, you know, I'm I'm working on the collegiate scene right now. That's probably the best way how I can get in. Do you think that the the Florida Mayhem and the Houston Outlaws have, have time to 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 get their their ducks in a row before they've lost too many matches to really be in contention for for anything this season. Uh I don't want to say no because teams could easily turn it around if they get a little bit of a break and some time to reset and figure out how they how they work and how they operate. Um there's also I I don't think that there's a rule about signing other free agents as long as you don't fill up your over exceed your roster positions right right so there's a lot of good free agents still out there um i can definitely see them being like oh whoops like well if there's somebody else who's coming up that they want they'll get them um like once again i think ryan is in a very good spot right now um i don't want to like say anything but like you know bumper is available uh <laughs> if you want to sign bumper to the houston outlaws to replace muma you would have a once again you'd have an aggressive reinhardt but you have mecco to back him up um it's just a very good you know composition you have the option to pick up the players who you need for your team so yeah i just hope that teams could figure this out obviously we're only in week two and we haven't seen every team play so some teams could easily like go completely cold this this season um some teams could just be on fire like all the time so it really depends on the team once again in week five we're gonna get the map pools so teams that are more flexible are gonna have a little bit more you know time to figure out what they want to do I think once we get to week five, six, and seven, uh, we're gonna have the 
they once again we're gonna have the hero pools then plus we have all the makeup matches from from china so we're gonna have even more overwatch going there uh it's gonna be insane what do you what do you think was maybe the biggest failure of the outlaws just in totality of the weekend uh honestly i think it is the the brig lucio support line um it once again it's very it's not traditional just because once again it's very low healing um i don't know the exact numbers off the top of my head but i think inspire is 21.667 healing per second uh off of inspire and then lucio's passive healing is 16.58 something uh per second so even if you have inspire and healing up that's only like it's only like 42 hp per second and it's not that much when you're getting completely destroyed by a team that's just bursting you down all the time um and you can't guarantee inspire being up 24 7 so yeah it's just very difficult to keep the team alive if you are going to be running the brig lucio kind of deal your team has to play very passively or like they have to be playing around corners uh like no one to take the engage you have to only engage off of lucio's uh speed in um you don't amp to speed in this is just a that, okay kevin's kevin's coaching hat of the day don't don't start the fight by speeding into them okay don't amp it up to get into the fight amp it up to clean up the fight or to leave the fight that is the only time when Lucio should be amping it up to, like, for speed, at least. You can amp it up to heal if you need to sustain, but, like, to get in and out of fights, uh, you should be amping to either clean up and finish the fight or amping to get out of the fight. Um, so, yeah, that, that's the way how you play the Lucio. But the, the Brig is something else. You just have to get lucky and hit stuff. and You have keep to just not pick Brig. Yeah, you just have to like not get picked, period, and just don't pick Brig. Um, <laughs> you know, if you have something that has more healing, once again, like you, literally any other healer, uh, <laughs> I think, except for Zen. Um, yeah, Zen won't work. But if you have like Zen Mercy, you should have enough like single target healing to keep people up. Um, but yeah, Brig, it's not gonna cut it. I just don't think Brig is good enough unless you're running a full brawl. And if so, you are running like Brig Moira. And like, honestly, at that point, you might as well swap the Brig for the Lucio. Uh, Yeah, she's just not in a good spot right now. She just needs to be balanced out and tuned up uh, to a certain point. I don't know what I would do um, to her kit. Um, I would definitely not do do anything to shield bash. Like that's that's fine enough as is. I would just think like you can maybe bump her healing up a little bit per inspire or I would, uh, I don't know about the health pack thing again. Um, like where it just instantly healed you. Cause I felt like I got like jibbed every single time that happened. Like I felt really bad. Like I would get somebody almost dead. Like, out of nowhere and then brig would just throw the healing pack on them and they're just like at 150 health more <laughs> like 
I'm almost about to kill them. I throw a fire strike at a 50 HP like Soldier 76, and then Brig just taps them once and they they live. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, I really don't know what I would do to Brig. I guess it's just increase either, not even the duration. You have to increase how much Inspire heals per second to even think that Brig is viable. Um, or th- this is really dumb, actually. Yeah, never mind. I'm not even going to say it. <laughs> yeah, go for it. If Brig Brig's Inspire gave a slight speed boost, <laughs> then just pick Lucio. Yeah, just pick Lucio. Yeah, it's, it's not going to happen. Like <laughs> Brig just needs more HP per second to to even stay sustained in the fight. Right. Um, I'm glad that she doesn't have the self healing thing as much as she used to. She used to heal herself for as much as Inspire, and that's why she wouldn't die. Um, so now that we have less healing off of Inspire, she does die quicker, but she needs to have more healing to her team, um, in her effectiveness, essentially. Okay, so now is now what do you want to talk about? That's that's that was my topics of the week. What are what are Kevin's topics of the week? Kevin's topics of the week in terms of like these matchups. Yeah. Um of of the 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 battle of brotherly love. What what are Kevin's hot spicy takes? Uh I think that yeah, I don't really have a lot of hot takes. I just think that the teams like just showed up and tried to play. Um I understand uh-huh. the technical difficulties are are things that you know, you're not used to. Once again, you're in a completely different place. Uh, you're playing Overwatch in front of like hostile fans potentially. Uh, Philly was pretty good. They they yeah. had some doing, but they were like nice in the end. Yeah, the I mean, it's just friendly competition. Like at the end of the day, um, I feel like a lot of this, a lot of these games that were coming out, it's just us getting to know what the teams are gonna be like. Um. I think the fusion are definitely in a good spot. They still have Carpe um, and EQO. So they're going to be doing a lot of damage. Um, And I think that they have the flexibility to really keep the wave going for them. Um, In terms of the, the other teams, once again, I feel like the, the outlaws just need to figure out their footing. Um, The mayhem need a second strategy for, for sure. I mean, the justice and the fusion figured you guys out and it's only been the first time that you showed up. Uh, <laughs> so um, yeah, you, you got to switch something up. And then I feel like the justice are going to do pretty okay. Uh, they're going to have their home stand to, like next week. Um, so they're yeah. going to have the home crowd. Um, Corey and Stratus are insane. Okay. Like they know what they need to oh, do. Yeah. Um, there's a reason why, uh, Corey was on the USA team. There's a reason why he's on the Justice and they're trying to build around him. Um, so they're definitely going to find their footing. I feel like the Justice are going to be one of those sleeper picks that people are going to be like, oh yeah, they sucked last season uh, and nothing's going to change. But I think once you start enabling the right players for, for the Justice, they're going to be a scary team and another team to look at. I think the big difference between the Justice and the Fusion that I noticed is that the Fusion were able to complete on their kills while the the Justice felt a little bit more either they weren't as cohesive, 
they were just moving too slowly or they were just lax about staggering. They like they tried too hard for the stagger as opposed to making sure that they, they got the kills that they needed to take the point. Yeah, sometimes you just need to get the job done rather than uh, playing with your food. I've had that happen yeah. before um, with the team that I've coached before or even my team. Like, we'll wait for the diva. We'll, like, purposely stagger the diva really hard. But she'll still be on point, so they can't, like, they're still making a little bit of progress. Um, for example, like, let's say if the, the point is, like, at 60%. If you leave the diva there... Um, for too long that 60 percent will not go back down to the 33 percent that you would have wanted the fight to start yeah. out with right yeah so um it's a good stagger right like they're not going to necessarily retake off of that but you know you can still lose a 5v6 it it can happen even without a diva mm-hmm. so yeah as as a team sometimes you just need to prioritize different things at the at the right time um but yeah for for the justice i I was really excited when art got that last boop on uh (laughs) it was on temple of anubis he was able to back cap um they did end up losing that map but it was like something that pushed it a little bit further um and i think it is the play of the week for the overwatch league um Uh just like the crazy back cap by arc um that is oh my god like that play in itself just shows like you can't should not have happened yeah you should overextend sometimes Um, this was on anubis i believe for for people who aren't oh my god yeah there's a reason why you always keep one person you either keep one person like close enough to the point always make sure that you have enough time to re-rotate to not give up a tick um also, and, don't be too cocky. Yeah, they were they were very cocky about their ability to hold point two of Anubis before they even got inside the temple. Yeah, exactly. So there, there's things where you have to prioritize the objectives. It is just like any other game. Like if you want to go with MOBAs, you have League of Legends and Dota two. Like, yeah, you could get as many kills as you want. Yes, you can fill up the kill feed with your name and popping off that way but if you're not protecting your towers or your inhibitors or your barracks or your throne right you're losing the game uh the same thing in overwatch like yeah you can have you know your quadruple kill or your team kill right um but if you're not protecting your objectives you can get back capped and lose um the team that learned that the hard way obviously was the san francisco shock last uh playoffs at the end of at the end of stage four the big c9 the big c9 against uh the atlanta rain like those specific moments um like put everything into perspective you you can't get too cocky you can't get too over aggressive you need to prioritize your objectives um so yeah um i understand at, at least for me as well um my coach when i was playing on the team said give no ground like that is one of the biggest parts of of Overwatch is making sure that you have control of the map and take control of certain points on the map when you have that option too. Um, uh-huh. But you can't always overextend. You always have you can't give and take ground. You have to give and secure ground. Um, 
it is just a it's a part of the game that you have to change your mindset um when you're going into like learning and playing the game uh with a team at least right this weekend felt very very much like scrappy fights on the point not giving up to reset when unless you absolutely have to unless it's like a a three to three v five that's when you decide to reset but aside from that like people were not not giving up any ground at all no points no point was was given up for for free there's at least going to be one fight yeah and this is kind of the way how i like games honestly like teams are literally fighting tooth and nail to get whatever space you can get right um and being able to secure that and making sure that you you keep your advantage up is also a part of the game like um if we want to go to like fighting games like taking the first round is really important um and keeping that momentum going if it's scrappy yeah like it's not necessarily organized but you know momentum does help with team morale and uh you know trying to get your objectives done i know you're saying that a lot of these early matches are just going to be essentially exhibition just to show the team show where the team is at what point do you think it's actually going to matter are we going to have to wait until week five because essentially it's just going to be a brand new game at that point with the hero pools or is it going to be after that? Is it is it is week four going to be when people start actually like giving a, a hoot about how they're performing? I feel like after each team has played at least one match is when teams are going to start like picking it up. Um, I say that only because um, knowing your opponent is half the battle, um, especially in these kinds of kinds of matches there's once again we have a bunch of team shuffles we have personnel shuffles uh we have you know the whole homestand business but knowing how a team plays and their strategy or you know in the case of the florida mayhem their one strategy how they play um is gonna help teams like click and figure out like okay this is what we need to run against them or this is what we should run against them um once we start learning what each team wants to do um a lot of the teams will start like caring and start counterplaying and that's that's when it will that's when the teams will actually start picking it up okay very briefly i I do want to go over what we think of the state of the meta right now because there was not a whole lot of variation aside from the brig plays I, i didn't see too much variation this week as as to what the the teams were picking it was pretty much uh may mccree reinhardt diva orissa and then an anna and a lucio maybe a baptiste instead of a of one of them yeah hanto was played a little bit as well um it really it's once again the one sombra yeah once again, I do want to say that it is very map dependent. We're we're back at uh, I'm praising praising Lord uh, Lord Jeff here. Um, we're oh, back to, from Papa to Lord. Yeah, to Lord Jeff. Uh, we're bringing back the meta that used to be season two. 
Like season two was the map determines what you play. It's not we're we're only dive. It's not only dive. It's not only goats. It's not only double shield. We're at a point in the game where the map determines what is best. Um, and then it always comes down to, oh, wait, but there's always like the counterplay. There's always something else there. Um, like right now, it seems like, you know, there's always Ryan. Um, that's just because, you know, big shields. But if you, a full team wanted to go full dive with like Hammond and uh, and Winston, it's totally doable, um, especially on in our current map rotation, uh, Numbani. Uh, that is one of the few maps where I think dive is good on both sides uh point a at least point uh-huh. a point a numbani if you're playing diva winston on defense like it, it seems super weird right um playing dive heroes on defense but it gives you that mobility to get to high ground and contest low ground at the same time um and if they dive let's say if they dive your your back line like your Ana's in that back corner you have the ability to rotate back um and then once again, if they're running like snipers or like DPS on the high ground, you have the ability to go up there. Um, it's just a bunch of like thinking right. about once again, the map is what determines what is good. Um, teams are going to slowly figure that out. I don't think that there's going to be a moment where we're going to have a set meta um, and people are going to figure that out. Um once again, the reason why May is played a lot um, and why we think May needs a nerf really bad is she essentially is a third tank. Uh, she It's bringing back that third tank mentality. You have a full wall that blocks. It's like a it's a double way Rhine shield, right? It, it yeah. blocks everything. Um, and then if you get low, you and just you can't walk through it. Yeah, you can't walk through it. And then you also ice block. Like, mm-hmm. ice block is nothing. Like, you you die. You can't die. Like, if you get low, you just freeze up. And then you're just like, okay, I'll heal for either the full duration or, you know, just a little bit less so I can get out the way. Um, but yeah, the, the May duration of freeze... Um, it's kind of a get out of jail free card. I think I forgot who I was talking with. I think I mentioned it last week too. Um, characters who have a get out of jail free card are going to be played a lot more. I think. Um, once again, that's like May and Reaper. Um, we don't see Reaper a lot, but like characters who can traverse ground or get out the way really quick, um, or have some form of mobility or safety net. Are going to be the ones who are going to be played the most, right? McCree has flashbang, Hanzo has the wall climb and double dash, and then Widow has you know the the, the grappling hook, so you can get out of certain situations that way. Also, for me, I feel like th- this week kind of instead of for me being the battle of brotherly love, it was the battle of blizzardly love because it, I think a lot of what took the points was just the timing of when the blizzard was put out and whether or not it got eaten. Um, blizzard was used to open and finish a lot of these fights. Yes, that is, that is very true. Essentially what May's ult is, is a crowd control version of what minefield does, right? Um, the best way to think about it is if blizzard is dropped, 
the team has one of two options. It's either you take the hit and you get frozen and you pretty much die or you run from the spot where Blizzard was dropped, right? Um, or beat drop. Yeah, or so then the outplay is you either transcendence, which we haven't seen Zen in forever. Uh, we saw or, Zen last week, not this yeah, week, but last week. Yeah, like that's the counterplay. Like you have to play Zen in that in that kind of field. You have Baptiste, right? But he can't get caught in it. You have to jump above it. Um, and then Lucio beat drop. That is the way how to outplay it. Um, another thing, just for you guys. Uh, Blizzard can only freeze whatever it is in line of sight of. You can... So, let's say if they drop... Like, she throws Snowball on the ground, right? Um, And it covers a certain AoE. If you can't see Snowball, Snowball can't freeze you. Um, Even if the circle says otherwise, right? Um, Yeah, it's a line of sight thing. It's like playing against a 360 Shatter. That's the best way of like thinking about it. Um, if if you're hiding behind a pillar or behind something that will block line of sight, you'll be okay. The only downside is like you can't shoot snowball. I <laughs> oh uh, yeah. I feel like if they were to do a nerf to to May, it would be like snowball now has 300 HP, and if you shoot it, you stop Blizzard. Not saying that it needs to happen, but like if that does happen, it will give teams a chance to stop it. Um rather than just like being like, oh, all right, this is my life now. I'm I'm dead. Like we have that with Sigma right now. Like Sigma can be interrupted during his ultimate. Um right. we should be we should have the same thing for May, I think. It it's only fair. With how often May has been picked and how devastating blizzard can be it, it you kind of have to at this point otherwise may is just gonna be a must pick throughout the game yeah she's she's tanky she's she has self-sustain and then her ultimate is literal like runaway like win crowd control 100 percent of the time so broken yeah. hero what yeah i'm not gonna say that she's op but i think that is the best way to describe her right now i'm gonna say she's op I think that, like, if we are going to get more PTR iterations, we should look at May potentially getting a nerf to her ultimate. Um, I think Ice Wall could get also get a little bit of a nerf. Um, I feel like Ice Block is okay where it is. Um, like, her being able to survive a little bit should be okay. But I yeah. think the Ice Wall, like, itself um, has too much HP. Uh or it's, yeah, it has too much HP. Like the the thickness is okay. Um, I don't think it should be able to block like two thousand points of damage before getting a piece broken off. Right. Um, it just takes forever. Um, and then once again, Blizzard should be able to be countered. Um, I do understand the whole. Uh, it could. It might be too easy to counter. Like let's say if you. If you did drop Blizzard and the other team did have a Widow, like two shotting Snowball would not be a problem. But then again, you are forcing the Widow to use resources to to shoot the to shoot Snowball rather than focusing down other heroes. So I guess you could think of it in that case as well. Yeah, it's a trade. 
Yeah. So I think once again, I think Snowball just needs HP. Um, I mean, Bob has twelve hundred HP, and he can only focus one thing at a time. Snowball is an Omnic, should have HP, should be able to get shot. Uh, sorry to people who really do like Snowball, but Snowball has to be able to die. <laughs> Anything else we need to talk about? Um, I don't. I don't think so. I think that once again, May is just a must pick. Needs a little bit of a nerf. Uh, let's just hope that she gets hit in the first week of hero bands <laughs> that, that would be something that's her mccree it's, it's one of those two don't why not both uh since they do have two slots right that's right that's right two if, dps let's get rid of both of those if if they get rid of both of those who do you think it's going to be played the most uh it's going to be reap fist i think yeah Even i think have a reaper doom fist resurgence i think i think that would happen and then uh it depends on if Diva gets hit too, because if Diva doesn't get hit on the first ban, if it, like let's say if it's May McCree and then Diva is not the one that, or it's like, like even if it's Ryan that gets hit, like Diva being present in the game is going to be able to shut down the Reaper, so that people might think of something else. Doomfist will for sure be in there, like he doesn't he doesn't care about shields, so he's going to be in there. Um, but yeah, I do understand why uh, May is something that's in this meta. Um, but yeah, I just hope that once we get to week five uh, and the hero pools start coming out, we're going to get a lot more interesting compositions and interesting games. All right, who, who's playing for next week? Uh, I got to check. Well, the, the Washington Justice are. <laughs> I know the Outlaws have at least one game, so we'll hopefully they do a little better i'm not as an outlaws fan i'm i think they need a a little bit more time cooking before they can show us any glimmer of hope again they're they're a team that like they have glimmers of of greatness but they they still have so much more room to go before they're back at their their top form i think the outlaws could get a win next week okay so i'll just read over the games um day one it's going to be saturday february 22nd um it's going to be the new york excelsior versus the philly fusion we're going to have the boston uprising versus the houston outlaws and then the paris eternal versus the washington justice so i i think the outlaws can do something against the uprising we haven't seen the uprising yet but i I don't think that their roster is as strong we have a lot more veteran talent on houston than boston does so i think we might have that advantage um and then sunday's games is the new york excelsior versus the houston outlaws so sorry uh the yeah that one we're not winning yeah yeah for sure (laughs) the toronto defiant how long can can you push those three matches till yeah roller can you get at least one point yeah let's just get a get a point uh, i'll be fine with that um the toronto defiant versus the philly versus the philly fusion i think that's going to be a really cool match to watch and then the london spitfire versus the washington justice so essentially the two good matches uh, in the roll. yeah the the two good matches i think the the saturday match is going to be the new york excelsior versus the philly fusion that's going to be one to watch. And then I think Sunday, 
Sunday's match, the Toronto Defiant versus the Philly Fusion is going to be another one to watch out for. Um, Toronto's looking very strong with their lineup already. Um, but yeah, it's going to be interesting to see. All right, cool. Well, thanks for tuning in this week, and we'll catch you next week with what we think of the performance of these teams. Yep, we'll see you next week. Next week, we cover the games for the Washington Justice homestand. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. If you like what you hear, please like, rate, and subscribe to us on all your favorite podcast platforms and follow us on all social media at Believe in OWL. Questions or comments? Please send us an email at Believe in OWL at gmail.com. If you'd like to advertise with our show, please contact our network at Believe.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.